Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. And we always say we're glad that you've joined us, but I think glad is not the proper word. We are just so overwhelmed that we would have people listening uh, from all the places that you are listening from. And thank God for the World Wide Web helping us to get the gospel to the nations of the world before Jesus returns. You know, the scripture said, when this gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the world for a witness, then shall the end come. When this gospel of the kingdom of the kingdom. Praise God. Amen. Amen. This gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached into all the world. Then shall the end come. And we have never had the opportunity and the technology to take the gospel to the nations like we have right now. And it's not just any gospel. It is the particular peculiar gospel of the kingdom of God. Amen. God's rulership, Christ's lordship. Amen. When this gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the world, then shall the end come. Amen. We're, you know, during the tribulation period, down near the end of it, John said, I saw an angel having the everlasting gospel to preach to every nation and tongue. Amen. So angels are going to be carrying the gospel. 144,000 sealed, saved, <laughs> saints Sanctified Jewish evangelists are going to take the gospel. And we right now are taking the gospel through the web ministry to the nations of the world. And we're just so glad wherever you are hearing this, right here in the Tampa area where it originates, right here in Florida, whether you're or any of the United States of America and beyond. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I must preach to the regions beyond. And that's why this identify myself as pastor evangelist, because I've always from day one wanted to reach as many people for Jesus Christ as I could possibly reach. Praise God. So we're just glad if you're a Christian, happy to have you back to study the word of God. If you are if you're a brand new listener, we welcome you today. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, we're glad that you are here to hear the gospel of Christ today. Amen. We just welcome you. So get your glass of water, glass of tea, cup of coffee. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Tootsie roll pop, whatever. <laughs> that green lifesaver, whatever you enjoy. Take time with us and let's get down and dig for some nuggets. Let's mine some golden nuggets from the Word of God today. Amen. In this Bible study, Jesus, our Adonai. Last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is our Lord and that God's title in the Old Covenant and Jesus' title in the New Covenant is Lord. And that is essentially what Adonai 
meant in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, it's the same concept. Jesus is Lord of all. Let me read again from Acts 2 and verse 36. It said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Both Lord and Christ. The scripture said that God has highly exalted him in the new covenant, given him a name that is above every name that is named of things in heaven, things in earth, and things beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, there's no question that Jesus is Lord of all. The question is, is He my Lord? Is He your Lord? This is a crucial question because the Bible said that many will say to Him, to Christ in that day, they will say to Him, Lord, Lord, We've done mighty works in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. And he will say to them, some of these people that are, that are professing something they do not possess. And he will say to them, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. I know you not. Scripture goes on to say no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't just make a mental decision. You have to respond to a call. You have to respond to conviction. You have to respond to the Holy Spirit. Scripture is very clear. And I know this is not popular. I'm not trying to be popular. I want to be accurate because souls are in the balance. There are many people with a false security that religion has given them because they have never been truly convicted of their sin, drawn to Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says, No man comes unto me except my Father draw him. The Scripture says concerning the, the not being able to say he's Lord except by the Holy Spirit to Peter when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father only. And upon this rock, this revelation of Christ by the Holy Spirit, amen, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm deeply concerned about that number of people who are calling him Lord, and they do not understand that salvation is more than shaking a preacher's hand, being baptized in water, and declaring, I believe that God raised him from the dead, or whatever the declaration is, no man can call him Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, friend of mine, this is an important message today. The question isn't, is he Lord of all? The question is, is he Lord of me? Is he Lord of you? You have to have a different master. There's no doubt about it. The Bible said you cannot, and Christ himself speaking, you cannot serve two masters. 
For you will love one and hate the other, hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God and mammon simultaneously. You can't eat at God's table, taking Holy Communion and at the table of devils. And the message is this, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Praise God. For what fellowship hath light with darkness, or Christ with Belial? Belial literally speaking of the devil himself. You see, you can't serve two masters. I can't serve two masters. Now, I don't struggle with Jesus being my Lord. And I understand that Lord means master. I, I, I have no problem with God being my Father. Because until we are saved, the Bible said, Ye are of your father the devil, and his works you will do. So we change fathers, and we change masters, because we change from the influence of the enemy, and we are brought into the kingdom. Remember that. Kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom. Scripture said we've been translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Praise God into this marvelous kingdom of light. There's no question that Jesus is Lord over the universe. He's Lord over, over the netherworld. He's Lord over every demon and the devil himself. The question is, is he your Lord? Is he my Lord? Now, I'm going to tell you, my flesh is weak. I can never conform it. I can never get it to perform. The only solution for my weak flesh is to crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. It'll never quit lusting. It will never quit wanting to bow up and rebel. But we are not debtors to the flesh any longer. Once Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior, we are no longer debtors to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh the obedience that we used to give it. We don't have to. We don't have to sin every day. We probably will never get to the place that we don't have to have that argument with the flesh. Well, in fact, I'm going to say it like it is. We will never get to the place that we won't have a war going on between flesh and spirit. The Apostle Paul talked about that war in Romans chapter 7. He said, when I would do good, evil presents itself. Well, where is that coming from? Well, it's coming essentially from our flesh, our own old flesh nature. See, we've been changed in our spirit, and we're being renewed, regenerated in our spirit, being renewed in the spirit of our mind. But the body is still part of that flesh nature, and there's, there's more to it than just the sinews and the muscle and the skin. There's something that is, that is still attached to us that has to do with the fall. And babies are born with it. That's why we have to be born again. Hallelujah. Praise God. But thank God we can be born again. But Paul had this, this desire now to obey Jesus and to not obey his flesh and certainly not to allow the devil to any place in his life to influence him. But he said, when I would do good, evil shows up. 
and I find that there is a law in my members. The spirit wars against the flesh, and the flesh wars against the spirit, and I cannot do what I would. In other words, I can't, not only I can't give in to the flesh, and, and not only that, but I have a problem completely obeying God because of my weak flesh. And he got so worn out trying to live up to the standard that God has not lowered and will not lower for you or for me. And he said, O oh, wretched man that I am. We're getting down to the end of Romans 7. O oh, wretched man that I am. That word wretched in the Greek means someone who has fought and wrestled until they were completely fatigued. Until they couldn't, they couldn't wrestle any further. They couldn't fight any further. They were in a state of complete fatigue. Oh, friend of mine, I remember years ago, I went swimming and down at Tampa Bay when I was about 11 years old. My aunt was there watching. My great-grandmother was watching me. I went out, and I was having a good time. I had on a, I had a, 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 you know, a face mask on so I could see underwater. I love to swim underwater. And I, I swam underwater, and I saw a drop-off. I saw this drop-off into the deep, and I decided to surface and try to get back to the bank. But by then... My my breath was just almost all gone. And when I surfaced, I realized that I was in the deep over my head stuff. And as I tried to make my way back, uh, I panicked. And I began to just frail in the water and bob up enough to get a breath. You see, I could swim underwater, but I hadn't learned yet to swim in deep water. So I panicked. And every time I would come up to get a breath, I, I felt myself getting tighter and tighter and tighter, and I was fatiguing. And suddenly, my meemaw, thank God for, for my meemaw that said to my aunt, and my aunt Jewel, Jewel, he's in trouble, and she came for me and got me out of that deep place and took me to the bank. But I know that fatigue when you, your life depends on it, but you feel like I can't tread water any longer. I believe I'm going to drown unless somebody rescues me. That's wretched. That's what Paul, it's not just being awful, evil, wicked. It's being fatigued from this war raging between the flesh and spirit. And what was really fatiguing him, obviously he was losing that battle. When I would do good, evil shows up and, and then my weak flesh still goes the wrong direction. And he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? We're down at the last two verses of Romans chapter 7. Oh, praise God. He doesn't leave us hanging. This is not a cliffhanger, my brother and my sister. Amen. You don't have to tune in next week or wait for some revelation. He answers his question of who shall deliver me from this body of sin in the last verse of Romans 7. Amen. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. 
Now let's go straight to Romans 8 and verse 1. By the way, there was no stopping and restarting. This was a letter that was continuing running. There's only like a comma between that comment and the next comment. Amen. And because it tells us how Christ is going to do this in spite of our weak flesh. Praise God. Amen. He felt so condemned. He felt worn out. He felt like I'm going to lose this battle except for Jesus Christ and the work that he's going to do in our behalf. Praise God. I thank God through Jesus Christ. You see, the next chapter was put there for the purpose of transcribing and translating this to to the King James. It is not there in the running letter. It is not chapter. Listen, the thought is going on. Who shall deliver me from this body of sin? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. You see, when God can come to live in you and live in me, when God can fill us with the Holy Spirit, when God can grant unto you and me power, hallelujah, not power to show off our gifts, but power to overcome the devil, power to overcome and authority over our own weak flesh. Praise God through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. There's no more spiritual fatigue. The battle is going on, but he's winning the battle. He's not sinlessly perfect. No one is, but we can be perfectly submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. That doesn't mean there won't be an ongoing battle. Paul said, actually, I fight this thing daily. And in order to win it daily, he said, I sanctify myself daily. Praise God. Every single day, I set myself apart unto God. To sanctify means to cleanse and set apart for a holy purpose. Praise God. I'm so glad to report to you today that there is victory in Jesus, and it begins with being translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom, into the kingdom. That word kingdom means the rule and domain of a king where a king reigns in undisputed authority. Praise God. Amen. Listen, Jesus is our Adonai. He is both Lord and Christ, Lord and Savior. And this idea of getting saved and then deciding we won't have this man rule over us, we we don't care what Christ says. We don't care what the Bible teaches. We don't care what the Holy Spirit wants. That's an unsaved attitude. That is not salvation as the Bible declares it. Amen. It's that that's what's so disconcerting 
today that so many people have this false sense of security without being drawn to God by the Holy Spirit. I tell you, if you come to Christ as your Lord and then your Savior, you're going to win this battle over the world, the flesh, and the devil himself. Praise God. Amen. And when you find yourself failing to obey Him, you're going to feel it deep in your heart. And you're going to, you're going to confess to Him and ask Him for the help that you need. And He's going to grant it to you. He's going to grant you grace and mercy to help in the time of any need. You know, the Bible said we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, with a sense of our weakness in and of ourself. We don't have a high priest that don't get it, that don't understand the battle that we are in. I've said it before, I want to say it again, if God sees the willingness of your spirit, He will help you with the weakness of your flesh. But He has to see the willingness. He has to see that you really accept His Lordship in your life. And you really, really do want to serve Him and obey Him. And not the devil and not yourself. Amen. Praise God, and He will help you. See, it says it this way. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, just like we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. It all begins with acknowledging our our weakness. Weakness. Oh, friend of mine, I, I preached in the jail services here in Tampa. Some years ago, I held a Bible study. And I went in, and I was brand new, and I was supposed to go and observe. Uh, but the uh, man who was in charge of it, he he was teaching the Beatitudes. And, and he, he read the Scripture, Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. And someone stood up in the back. There was about 32 people in the room. And, and uh, we were in a holding cell. All the cell blocks had been open for the people that wanted to come to Bible study. Some came to learn. Some came uh, just to, to stretch their legs and get out of their cell block for a while and do something different. But they were there. And a man stood up in the back and he had a scowl on his face. And he said, he said, if I was meek in here, I wouldn't make it. I would be dead. Oh, and then this guy that's supposed to be showing me the rope said, Pastor Venable, why don't you answer this? And I thought, Lord, help me. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, help me is not a bad place to be in. In fact, Paul said, when I am weak and I acknowledge it and look to Christ, then am I made strong because His grace is sufficient. And because of the sufficiency of His grace and because of this strength that He grants by His Spirit into our life, amen, I felt bold as a lion. And I said, meekness is not weakness, it's power under control. 
and we took that. See, meekness is what allows. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's an unsung fruit of the Spirit. It's not one that gets a lot of press. But it's so important and vital to Christ's Lordship and the Spirit's leadership in our life because meekness acknowledges a master and allows that master to control us and i told them about the 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 something i had read when i had studied meekness years ago as a fruit of the spirit those horses that were trained back in the days when particularly in the middle east when horses were used in battle that they these horses before they would ever trust them to to ride in the face of cannon fire and and rifle fire and all of the chaos of hand-to-hand combat what would keep these horses under control said they would take take them and their master the person who's going to ride them and they would starve them for water in that arid country until they would they were about to they were about to become totally dehydrated they would take them with where they could see a pool of water and they could sense and smell that pool of water and every instinct in that horse to survive the the dryness and the dehydration was to run and lap up that water and then their master would walk out in front of them and tell them, stand or stay, whatever the command was for do not move. And the horse would stand in obedience to its master. And when the, the master decided that horse would rather stand here and dehydrate and faint or die, rather than to disobey me, he would tell that horse, now you can have the water. Discipline. That kind of discipline because of that kind of devotion. When Jesus is accepted and bowed to as your Lord, hallelujah, the necessary devotion will come and then the disciplines will come. Praise God. Meekness is not weakness. Oh, it brought courage to that animal and it would charge cannon fire explosions all around and never halt, never stop, never turn to the left or the right, but continue where its master directed it to go. You see, this is kind of a lost message in a generation that is full of rebellion. The Bible said in the New Testament, sounds like an Old Testament scripture through a prophet, but it's a New Testament scripture. It said, warn them that are unruly among you. Warn them that are unruly among you. Friend of mine, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I've accepted Christ as my Lord and my Savior. See, the meaning of Adonai as sovereign Lord is carried over into the New Testament and is used of Jesus with the Greek word kurios, no less than, listen to this, 747 times. In the book of Acts, Jesus is referred to as Lord 92 times, while He is called Savior only twice. 
I'm afraid that in the evangelical church we've overemphasized his role as Savior and underemphasized his role as Lord. Actually, we've often created a false dichotomy by saying that someone can accept Christ as Savior without any, any desire or any evidence that they are submitting to Him as Lord. One prominent pastor of a large church said, I am convinced that the church of Jesus Christ visible is filled with unconverted people. Unconverted people with an exclamation point. And we accept some raised hand, signed card, walk the aisle, some moment of whatever emotion as true salvation. And we say, well, I know that they do this, and I know they continue that sin, and I know they haven't repented of that sin. I know they are adulterous, and I know they are drunkards, and I know they take drugs and smoke marijuana. I know they don't come to church and worship God, but I remember the day that they walked the aisle. Well, what in the world does that mean? What? Does just walking the aisle mean? There are people going across this country right now, widespread in fundamentalist and evangelical circles, saying, all you have to do to be a Christian is believe the facts of the gospel in one moment of time. And if you never believe it again, and you become an agnostic, an apostate, or even an atheist, you are still saved. You don't ever have to bear any fruit as evidence of salvation. Your life doesn't have to change. It has nothing at all to do with salvation. You know what that kind of gospel really does, dear friend? That puts people on the broad road who will finally wind up saying, Lord, Lord, on that day, and they will hear from Christ, depart from me. I never knew you. The most frightening thing in the world to me would be the reality of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20 and following. To think you're going to heaven and wind up in hell because someone gave the gospel that wasn't the true gospel. Now back at our 33rd anniversary at the Holy Church of God, I made a pledge, and I found it on a piece of paper recently. Here we are in our 56th year. That's been a long time back. But I made a pledge after reading what I just read you. And the pledge is simple. I will preach the true gospel. And furthermore, I believe that where the true gospel is preached... God will confirm His Word with signs following. He will manifest His presence and His power. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I stand by that pledge today. I want to see souls saved. I want to pe see people saved, delivered from Satan's influence, sealed with the Holy Spirit, because the day of redemption... The day of our redemption is drawing very, very near. And today I want to ask you a personal question. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 
is Jesus Christ, your Adonai, your Lord, and your love today. If He is, you will struggle with the flesh. That's a good sign (laughs) that you're really saved. It's the people who are letting the flesh rule them, and because of that, letting the devil have the influence in their life. Friend of mine, they're the ones that need to do this real, serious, sincere, personal inventory. I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joy of thy God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, friend, I pray today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, your Lord and Savior, that you will come to Him now. Make no deals, no bargains. Just surrender your life to His Lordship and trust Him for your salvation. I'll tell you, God will welcome you. Christ will welcome you with open arms. And you will be ushered into the kingdom of God. And you will be translated out of the powers of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And that's where God wants you today. Where He can keep you. Where He can keep you safe in His kingdom. Under His rule. Under His reign. Hallelujah. And this is a time if you do know Christ as your Savior. Come out from among them. Identify with Jesus and this kingdom. You owe nothing to the flesh. You owe nothing to the culture and the world. And certainly nothing to the devil. He's no longer your master. Jesus is. Hallelujah. Make it so in your life. Keep choosing to obey God. And God will strengthen you. Give you everything you need to overcome. We will stand with Him on that day and be glad that we made Jesus both Lord and Savior in our personal life. And come back next week, would you? And let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.